Hello, this is Lucille, and you are about to listen to the very first episode of Horrors for Horror, where we talk about Tabs' favorite horror movie, The Thing, from 1982. Just wanted to preface this episode with a couple of things. This episode does contain discussions of body horror, um, gore, animal death, and suicide. So please listen to this at your own risk. I also want to state that while this is the first episode of the show, we talk about this movie for a while. So this is kind of a long episode, and I couldn't quite figure out how I wanted to cut it down. So I apologize for the length of it. We'll try to keep the episodes a bit shorter than um, over an hour and a half in the future. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy. for horror where three friends get together and discuss what we've been watching in the world of horror i'm tabs i'm lucy and i'm will uh and uh today we're going to be discussing the 1982 directed by john carpenter movie the thing which is my favorite horror movie um and i think I just I, honestly it's probably not even just like my favorite horror movie. I think it's my favorite movie. It's it's a good um, one. Or at least up there. Yeah, it's good. Because I think it's wild to me to think about how when it first came out, it was like a fucking disaster of like it was criticized as like an instant junk um and, yeah. uh Fantastique, uh which was like a film magazine um said it was like the most hated film uh it was like a wretched excess and oh my god like, what the Jesus fuck? Yeah, christ like, <laughs> like a lot of people think that the reason why it was sort of um hated was because it came out around um the time that ET had also came out which was a far more optimistic take on aliens visiting <laughs> Earth um, than the thing. And so a lot of people think that the competition between those two where um, also like during uh, the summer of 1982, there was a recession. There was a lot of other like social and political things going on during the early 80s <laughs> um <laughs> and so you have et the extraterrestrial who is you know this movie that's very optimistic and <laughs> you know like oh aliens yeah and there was like also a lot of other um successful science fiction and fantasy films that came out Star and Wars. then you have the thing you have the thing is- where um everyone <laughs> hates each other during it and um the most the most disgusting bodies you'll ever fucking see. <laughs> exactly. It's you have gross. the thing, which is this nihilistic movie that is just, it's not a happy movie. It feels no. like, it feels like everyone wants to fucking Bart strangle and everyone into set at all times. 
Exactly. Like yeah, it was, it was probably like um, really fucking cold, like while making it too. So that's not even just like in the movie. Like like John Carpenter like kept the set like really cold. I think. <laughs> oh my yes, god. Yes. Uh, yeah. In fact, yeah, he kept it. Um, I believe at like. Uh, 30 degrees inside the studio or something around there. It was very cold. Um, And then as opposed to what was happening on the outside, because obviously a lot of the filming, this was John Carpenter's first studio, like in-studio film. Um, And so they would take place on refrigerated sets in Los Angeles, which so (laughs) you would be freezing on the inside of, you know, this refrigerated set set to very cold temperatures and then on the outside it would be like a hundred degrees um (laughs) oh my god that had to be like fucking whiplash yeah um at least at least like if you ever needed like anything warm you could just like you could literally just step outside and exactly yeah Yeah, if you're feeling too cold um and then also of course they uh, also um filmed in Juneau, Alaska and then a place in British Columbia which would get um extremely cold like and they spent a good amount of their budget on just heating the actors which by the way the budget was uh 15 million 15. and the box office uh was 19.6 million oh so how <laughs> they barely made back their budget oh um, my god Holy shit. 1.5 million. Yeah. Uh, Another reason why this movie is sort of like uh, nowadays is um, praised and stuff is for its uh, effects. Yes. uh, Primarily its creature effects, which uh, was uh, 1.5 million of the budget was spent on that. um, 1.5? Yeah. And the, um, the... uh, effects were created by Rob B- uh, Botton, I believe is how you say his name, who was only 22 years old um, when he started. Oh my uh, the god. Thing. Uh, I... And. These effects are yeah. like some of the best shit I've ever seen. Like, yeah, like, uh, it's fucking insane. Yeah, and he was 22 years old, um, and apparently, according to the making of documentary, um his schedule was so like intense and punishing um because his detail like attention to detail was so precise and stuff that after filming had finished he was hospitalized with exhaustion and pneumonia what so he had literally made himself sick working on this movie um and yeah so a lot of the um, stuff that he used for the creature effects was like a mixture of chemicals, food products, rubber, and then also mechanical parts and sort of puppetry um, that his large team uh, were able to make so that the thing could be something that could be capable of taking on any form. Um, and then uh, Rob Button was... Uh, Later on, he worked on designing and building special effects for Total Recall, which he then later won a Special Achievement Academy Award for. Um, but yeah, so he's also worked on on RoboCop, Total Recall, Basic Instinct. Um, I sh- shout out to Total Recall. I love Total Recall. <laughs> that movie was a ton yeah. of fun. 
We should. Yeah, and we should. We should watch it sometime. It. We, we should. should. It's not a horror movie, but. <laughs> it kind of fits in that sort of. I'd say. Vibe. I'd say out of the two, like I'd say, um, RoboCop is much more of a horror film than Total Recall. I mean, the effects in it are crazy. At the beginning of the film, you have Arnold Schwarzenegger's face, like, caving in on itself and exploding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's a little bit about sort of the pre-movie. Let's get into the actual movie. Yeah. Um, so we open up to the space... Uh, to this, this space, the uh, space, not this space. space. It is, it is <laughs> open only, up the only to... thing in space. <laughs> it this is the this only is thing space. in space. This, this one this shot, space. this one panning shot going to Earth. This That's... is the actually only footage we have of space. I don't know how John Carpenter was able to get that. Like, uh, Stanley no, but... Kubrick faked the moon landing, but John Carpenter actually got footage. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, <laughs> no, so we open up to uh, this um, spaceship, uh, alien sort of looking spaceship, crash landing into America, prim- uh, specifically, uh, uh, what the fuck is it called? Antarctica. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where does this movie take place? I, no, I don't know, fucking. <laughs> I just completely forgot. It takes place in Alaska, um, right? Yeah, it takes place you know, wait, wherever. Wait, you're telling um, me this isn't Maine? <laughs> wait, you're telling me this isn't in the middle of the ocean? Bro, this isn't, this isn't Swallow Falls? <laughs> Listen, global warming is so bad that I just completely forgot Antarctica existed. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, so anyway, yeah, so a... Alien spaceship crash lands into uh, Antarctica, and then we have a uh, the title card. And uh, the opening sure. credits, and I want to bring up a couple things of these opening credits, mm-hmm. um, if you will, please. Um, so the score um, was done by Ennio Morricone, who Ooh, has mm-hmm. composed 393 films. Damn! Yes. Um, he is uh, most fun... known for create for like I mean he does the thing. He is most known he did the from Good Bad and the Ugly. Um, mm-hmm. He did the Hateful Eight. Um, he's yes, which about the Hateful Eight. Sorry to interrupt, but uh, there was unused music that he had for this film um, that he later used in the Hateful Eight, and ironically. Uh, when this film came out, obviously, like, as we said, it was not well-liked by critics and everybody. And so he was nominated for a Razzie Award for for this movie. But uh, when he made, uh, when he composed for The Hateful Eight and he used some uh, unused music, he won an Oscar for (laughs) The Hateful Eight, which I just think is really funny, oh and kind of also describes how uh, everyone has viewed this film. This film over the years is that at first, obviously, not a lot of people liked it, <laughs> and now it's kind of viewed as like one of the best films yeah. ever. <laughs> yeah, he's done a lot of stuff. Like he's also like he's done a lot of westerns, but he's also because he's Italian, he's also done a lot of Italian films. Like he's done some score for some Argento films. He did the score for Solo, um, which we're never going to watch on the podcast. Uh, I can guarantee that. 
Um, yeah. But fuck also, you John if you Carpenter think you're gonna watch this. Score. <laughs> but I want to yeah. give a um, shout to the cinematographer of this film, Dean Cundy, who has the most insane cinematography thing I've ever seen. So as you know, he shot the thing. He also shot Jurassic Park, um, Halloween one, two, and three. Back to the Future 1, 2, and 3, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Apollo 13, Big Trouble Little China, a lot of other John Carpenter films like The Fog and Escape from New York. He also what shot Camp Rock, Garfield the Movie, Flubber, Jack and Jill, Roadhouse, The Flintstones, Home Again, The Spy Next Door, Scooby-Doo Curse of the Lake Monster, and Looney Tunes Back in Action. What the fuck? Oh what is this, this man's cinematography sim- game is insane, dude. <laughs> oh my god, he gets you look, around! You look at the thing and the Jack and Jill, and you're like, yeah, same fucking shit, dude. Yeah, this is made by the same guy. Yeah, yeah look, but yeah, shot by he, the same guy. this guy is automatically, like, in my in in, in my top of all time. Because he shot Looney Tunes back in action. That's, like, one of the best things that humanity has ever created in terms of cinema. And I am oh. fully standing by this. So, he's he's cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, so God, true, like, literally, true. I was looking that up. I'm like, what else has Dean Cundy done? I'm like, oh, he shot some good stuff. I'm going to click oh, on more. I everything. first see Camp Rock. And I'm like, what the fuck? Camp Rock. That's... Oh, my God. Imagine working with the guy who shot, like, your Demi Lovato or a Jonas Brother. And, like, you know, you're filming your funny little camp rock movie and meanwhile the guy who's like directing cinematography is the fucking person who worked on the thing yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> what a total yeah. shift he also what has directed one film um and that film was honey we shrunk ourselves yeah which is the third <laughs> film of the is... honey i shrunk the kids series the uh title card uh shows up which was uh this very uh, cool animation cell uh, that has like the thing written on it it was um, so yeah so in order to create the title card it was a animation cell with the thing written on it that was placed behind a smoke filled fish tank which was then covered with a plastic garbage bag and then the bag was uh, set on fire and then it created the effect of the title burning onto the screen that's um, really cool that's, that's fucking yeah. sick um, and then we get, you know, like the credits and everything. And then as, uh, we're sort of panning over Antarctica, we see this, uh, sled dog, this dog, um, running, um, and is being, uh, pursued by a helicopter. Um, and you're like, well, that's weird. Uh, and then they start shooting at the dog <laughs> and it's like, Hey, wait a fucking second. <laughs> Why are we shooting at this dog? What the dog doing? <laughs> what the and, dog doing? What the dog uh, doing? What the fucking dog doing? What he doing? What he doing? Um, did he like? Did he? And... Was he the one who shot JFK? <laughs> no. oh, oh, oh. Confirm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um. So, uh, they the dog starts running to the to an American research uh, station. And uh, the Americans all come out as they see this uh, helicopter uh, coming up to their station. And they're like, what the hell? Um, And it lands. And one of the Norwegian passengers of that helicopter, like, pulls out a grenade and goes to 
throw it at the dog, but he uh, accidentally, in a wacky little funny thing, uh, throws the grenade behind him. Um, it's like Wii into... Sports Bowling. <laughs> yeah, like Wii Sports Bowling uh, into very deep snow and uh, it gets lost in the snow. And as he's running away, the other sort of like, um, I believe, pilot of that helicopter is like searching for uh, the grenade and uh, that blows up. Uh, the helicopter and he blows up and um, the other Norwegian um, starts like running after the dog and the dog starts running to the Americans who have all come out uh, and he's like shooting at the dog and he's shouting at the Americans in Norwegian and fun fact he is actually speaking Norwegian um, but it is never subtitled in any of the movies uh, or any versions of the movies but what he is saying is get the fuck like get the hell away it's not a dog that's not a dog it's imitating a dog um so he's essentially like spoiling the movie Dude, within what, what is the not dog doing what is the not dog doing what's what, the what, what imitation do? dog doing <laughs> what's the imitation doing what the imposter doing <laughs> uh and so yeah so he starts shooting at the dog um fun fact too the dog um so the dog is played by a good boy named Jed. Jed. Uh, who Jed. was actually from the Pacific Northwest, like me. He <laughs> he. Um, <laughs> I know him actually. We go on, you know, coffee. <laughs> we go on coffee dates all the time. No? I give him like one <laughs> of his doggy Sundays from Shake Shack. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever talked to him about what it was like to work with uh, Kurt Russell? Yeah, you know, he he's always said Kurt Russell's such a great guy. <laughs> no, but um uh yeah, so the dog's name was Jed. He also this dog actor also worked on um White Fang. He played White Fang in those movies. Ooh. Um he was a half like uh half wolf, half uh Malamute. Uh and he was just a good boy. He's very cute. It's really hard to watch this movie every time because you're like, oh, look at this cute puppy. I hope nothing bad happens to this dog. <laughs> um and when this which reminder, like this is a half wolf. This is a huge ass dog. Uh he runs up to um I believe it is uh Oh, I can't remember. I think he runs up to the doctor. Uh, Peter Maloney. He runs up to Peter Maloney, who plays uh, Bennings. Bennings, um, yes. Yeah. And Peter Maloney uh, was afraid of dogs, actually, and found it difficult doing this scene where a giant half-wolf dog is running at him and jumping up onto him. <laughs> um which I can't, I can imagine was probably terrifying. <laughs> um, and uh, so the Norwegian keeps like yelling and trying to shoot at the dog, which is now, he is now shooting at the Americans. Um, but he is uh, shot in self-defense by the uh, station commander, Gary, who is played by uh, Donald Moffat, uh, who was uh, along with, um, the thing he was eventually in the right stuff and then uh i believe he was like a uh on and off broadway uh yeah person mostly he, um, he apparently had a tony nom he, he has like two tony noms 
Yeah. So he was. Uh, yeah. Um, so he, the uh, Norwegian, uh, is shot and is killed. He's shot in the eye, and you we get this cool little like, uh, view of what like he looks like. Um, and then we're introduced kind of properly to Kurt Russell's character R.J. McCready, uh, who is the uh, helicopter pilot for this research. <laughs> we don't. We never are told why they are in Antarctica. Um, I don't think we really need to know. Um, personally. We don't need to know. But it is funny to think about how there are so many like horror movies that are like, yeah, we have to explain like every little tiny bit of backstory and or something like that. And then in this movie, they're just like, hey, it's just a bunch of dudes hanging out being guys. Just guys uh, in being Antarctica. dudes. Just uh, guys which, being dudes. Which extended to not only the uh, cast of characters, which is a cast of 15 characters, um, that extended to the crew as well. Uh, <laughs> there was the only female presence in this film is the voice at the beginning. McCready is playing chess on a computer. Um, he fucks up this he, computer. This computer. He, he gets re- Yeah. This computer he, cheats and he has so much he pours his entire glass of whiskey into yeah, it and just, just fucks up this computer um yeah uh, and that the uh, voice of that uh was played by uh John Carpenter's then wife uh fun fact is that De- Deborah Hill no it was uh, no, Deborah Hill isn't uh, John Carpenter's wife who um Adrian uh Barbeau Adrian Barbeau his, yes uh, at his this time at the time was his wife yeah. uh, and she plays yeah the voice of the person he's playing against on chess um yeah. Deborah Hill and, is not married to John Carpenter she just worked with John Carpenter for gore she worked with yeah she worked with him a lot but um and then according to John Carpenter there was originally one crew member who was female but she was pregnant, and so that kind of like had to like force her to leave production, and she was replaced by a uh, a male. So literally, there is like two times because there is the at the start where they are playing chess, um, and you get the voice of her, and then um, later on there's a game show, and you can hear like contestants on there, <laughs> um, and that is the only time there is any female presence in this movie <laughs> the ultimate dude uh, rock movie this is the ultimate dude rock this movie. would be like homoerotic if like everyone didn't hate each other you're exactly. telling me that it can't be homoerotic if everyone hating each other you know this is the ultimate um enemies to lover movie actually <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, it really uh, is at, at the at the end of at the end of the film uh keith Keith David's character, uh, Childs and R.J. McReady, um, they at, at the end of the film they both uh, they both fall in love, and after the film ends, they just uh, they we, when it cuts they have um, they have gay sex, and that's how the movie ends. Yeah. but we don't see it. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, spoiler. I mean, <laughs> no. Um, so we get introduced to sort of everybody as well. Um, we have, uh, as we said, Kurt Russell playing R.J. McCready and uh, Peter. Maloney playing George Bennings and Donald Moffat playing Gary. We also have A. Wilford Brimley uh, playing Blair, who is the 
I believe he's like he's a doctor. The, he's the, he's a doctor. Um, we have DK Carter playing Nalls. Nalls who... is the coolest. He you, the first time we see him, he's roller skating around this entire thing. Yeah. The next time we see him, he's roller skating around playing Stevie Wonder music. He's he rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have uh, David Clennon playing Palmer. Uh, oh yeah, Nalls is the cook, I believe. Mm-hmm. And then Palmer is a uh, engineer. I believe. Uh, then we have Keith David, who, fun fact, this is Keith David's first credited film role, which is funny to think about because Keith David, fun fact, has over 300 roles across film, stage, television, and other media. Um, yeah. Like, he's been in everything. <laughs> um, he, yeah, he's, um, he's in this. Um, he... I'm, I most recognize him from um he plays uh the cat in Coraline. Um, yes, he also plays uh Dr. Uh, Facilier in Princess and the Frog. uh Princess and the Frog. He plays um the Flame King in Adventure Time. He plays he does a, a lot of voice acting. Um He's a very good in, voice. Yeah. Yeah, he does a lot of voice acting in um like both uh like cartoons and other things as well as um video games like yeah. he um he's won uh, three emmys um and the thing yeah. is the thing the funniest thing is all three of them were for voiceover and narration stuff yeah uh he's yeah so he's extremely talented and it's funny to think that like this is sort of where he got his start um because he also does an amazing job in this movie. Yeah. Um, and I believe he is also an engineer, I think. Um, Hell yeah. And then we have uh, Richard Dysart as Dr. Cooper, who... Dr. Cooper also has a piercing, and they never just, like... He just, like, has a fucking, like, nose piercing. Uh, <laughs> and he... Uh, yeah, so he's, like, sort of the physician. Um, whereas Blair, I believe, is more of, like, the head sort of scientist type of doctor um and then we have a few more um uh engineers uh norris clark and fuchs uh they don't get as many um moments in the film but they're still pretty there and they do add to this movie and then we have uh thomas waits as windows who fun fact um apparently just like showed up to set one day and was like call me windows (laughs) and then everybody was like okay um and uh, hey call me this like completely random ass fucking thing yeah uh also throughout the movie they call uh kurt russell's character mac and so you have these two characters named mac and windows which obviously nowadays everyone's going to think about the company's mac and windows but uh, that's complete coincidence. Uh, th- uh, those two companies were not founded in 1981, 1982. Uh, but... Well, uh, those I've never heard of in my life. <laughs> yeah, I've never heard of them in yeah, my life. I've never yeah, heard of wh- Mac What Windows. the fuck is... Uh, the only Mac I know is Mac and Cheese. <laughs> <laughs> the only Mac I know is R.J. Mac- McReady, played by Kurt Russell in The Thing. <laughs> the only Mac I know is uh, Mac um, from... It- is there a character named Mac and It's Always Sunny? I for I for Gore. Yes. 
I think so. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, is. yes. Ra- um, yes. Uh, um, Rom Romick. Own. Rom. I don't know his name. I don't. I don't yeah. pronounce his name. Uh, <laughs> that character. Yes. Him. Yeah. The gay man. Um, the gay man. Yes, I was gonna say he becomes gay. <laughs> he yeah. Becomes Love gay. it's always. Funny. <laughs> uh. But anyway, so yeah. So the we get sort of introduced to everybody, um, and Gary, who is the station commander, sort of uh, along with Blair, um, sort of are like, hey. Uh we need to go investigate like the Norwegian base because um Windows had also who is the um communications officer um he says early on that he's not been able to get in contact with anybody for um two weeks I believe um and so there is this whole like uh thing of like well we need to get in contact because there's this like hor- like horrible storm happening as well like uh, conditions are bad in Antarctica, but I guess they're worse now. Um, and, uh, so, uh, R- uh, RJ McCready, Mac, um, and Dr. Copper, um, go to investigate the Norwegian base. Um, and it's empty. Uh, Mac keeps referring to them as Swedes and Swedish people. Uh, for some reason and has to keep being corrected like no they're Norwegians Mac like dude come on um and uh the whole sort of like place is abandoned um there's at one point you see a fire axe like lodge in a wall and then they come across a frozen corpse um that is of a person who had killed themselves uh, by like slicing their uh, wrists and neck, and this is the first sort of time you see, um, like really in detail, because uh, you see like a couple burnt corpses and stuff beforehand, but in this moment you see this very like detailed like dead body. It uh, is. It is really disturbing. <laughs> it is very disturbing. Um, the blood from him has like frozen in place like mid drop yeah uh, yeah and he's still like sort of uh he has like his mouth open in sort of anguish um and they're ju- they're kind of just like all right cool <laughs> um and all right, that's fucked up anyways they're, they're like, oh, that's kind of fucked up. Anyways, and then, then they continue on investigating. Um, oh, owie, and... that looks like it hurts. Anyway. Ouchie, Ooh, ouchie. Anyway, uh, they come across this um, malformed uh, body, uh, like humanoid body. It's like two people, like morphed together. It's like inside um, this like giant tub thing, right? No, that... so they see this outside. Uh, yeah. They see this outside, and then they kind of go in and investigate more and stuff. Um, and that's when they find this giant um, this forbidden tub, jacuzzi. The forbidden jacuzzi. <laughs> uh, yeah. And they're like, what the fuck is this? And essentially, they're like, what the fuck? Um, and they take back this d- malformed um, body back to the American station along with like um, their uh, like the Norwegian sort of like research I guess yeah um, 
Mm-hmm. At which point, when and... they started um, looking at the corpse a bit more, I wrote down in my notes that this is the nastiest corpse I've ever seen, and I still <laughs> yes. stand by this. Uh, which, this fun This is fact... disgusting. It's like... Yes. They're like... It... Every limb is contorted. Its face is splitting apart and, like, molded together. It looks like a fucking Fugly from Spy Kids. <laughs> yes. Oh, wait, oh my what? God, yes. Do you mean uh... the thumb guys? No, like the Fluglies. Like the, the little creep the other people that he has were like he yeah. like fuck where like he like draws something, he like fu- and like scans it and it fucks up their face. Yeah, like it's all stretched out, it's like contorted, uh and Blair, uh played by Wilfred Brimley, uh com- uh who was like uh he was a veteran. Um, I believe he was in the uh Marine Corps uh, during the Korean War, uh, so he saw so he was a sergeant, um, and uh, according to the DVD commentary, John Carpenter said that uh, he was the only cast member. Uh, Wilford Brimley was the only cast member not made squeamish by this autopsy scene, in which they used real animal organs. Uh, <laughs> Which you is, could tell. You could tell. Yeah. It's it looks disgusting. It's disgusting. It looks disgusting. Um Blair, as he's like doing this autopsy, he notes that all of the organs inside are human, like normal set of human organs, which kind of leads to this thing of like, well, this was human at one point. How the fuck was this human? It's completely like fucked up and doesn't look human. How how the hell was this human? Yeah. Um Yeah. And uh, throughout this kind of time, the dog that we saw at the beginning has sort of been walking around the what base. What the fuck is um, this dog doing? The doggy is just having a good time. At one point, it looks... I'm not entirely sure if we just, like, saw this differently, but at one point, it looked like he was just standing on some desks as, uh, Mac and Copper come back from the new yeah, no, base, they... and he's, like, looking... He's it's like two shots. He's standing up on this table, looking out this window. Yeah, he likes, and to, he be likes to be tall. He <laughs> likes to be tall. Big and tall. Big um, and tall. So Clark, uh, uh, oh, uh, there is at one point the dog goes into, um, this uh, Clark's room. room, right? We don't know because all we see is a, uh a silhouetted person yeah uh we don't Mm -hmm. see we don't like see anything that could identify him uh, as any person that we have seen previously um and so he the dog kind of just like goes into that room and it fades to black um and then eventually clark played by uh richard richard um masser i think is how you say his name who uh has been in uh, he was Stanley in the original 1990 miniseries for It. Um, oh, wow. He, yeah, so he he's done a, a good amount of um, acting credits and everything. Uh, yeah, just like looking at his Wikipedia page, he has a lot. Um, and uh, so he kennels the dog and... The dog kind of like slowly walks in um, and there's other dogs in this kennels and all the other dogs are like, yo, what the fuck? What the fuck is wrong? With-? Like, what the fuck is this? Who is this? And they oh, start growling. Fuck. 
and they start barking. And so far, this doggy is just, like, chilling. He's not doing much. Um, but then he starts shaking. And it's like, oh, no, what's wrong with the dog? Um, and he starts shaking, and then his face just splits open. Yeah, as a dog does. Um, yeah. As a doggy do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his tongue lashes out, and it starts, like, it becomes this tentacle sort of thing. And it starts, like, waving all around the fucking room. And all the dogs are going crazy. And There's, like, little he, other, like, things, like, shaking out of its back. It starts, yeah, stuff starts, like, coming out of it. Uh, it And it starts, like, spitting this, like, liquid? I don't know how to describe it. It, it, it like, uh, yeah. It looks, it, it's gross. <laughs> it just, it, that's how you can describe this movie and its special effects. Um, it's gross. <laughs> it's grody? I, it's... One thing that I'd love that I'd love to point out is actually the score and the uh, and the almost lack thereof, and yeah, that yeah. is like normally in it in that and like that's not to be like oh there is no scoring for this film, the f- score up to this point has been just the same synth note like over and over again. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, which may on its service just be like what the fuck is this? It is haunting. It like it like it, it like it seeps in throughout this film constantly. There is also this sort of howling wind, which was achieved by uh, just stepping outside and recording the yeah. I think Santa Sa- Santa Ana or San I don't California uh, winds and um, yeah. there's just this very haunting winds and uh, something that I really do love about this movie is that it has these like quiet and almost boring but not in a bad way sort of moments where it's really just quiet and there's nothing really going on like when the dog first enters the kennels Mm -hmm. um before that there wasn't really a lot like yeah they found like these dead bodies but like we were saying they were sort of blase and ambivalent um and then during like the autopsy scene it was very like sterile and kind of like how an autopsy is you know you don't have like these big huge reactions of like oh that's really gross like obviously the biologist wouldn't be like oh it's so gross and yucky while doing an autopsy you know they're a professional and so you go throughout this like movie where there's these sort of like low moments where not a lot like a lot is happening but not like the way it is acted and sort of portrayed on scene um, along with, like, the sound is that uh, it's just tense yeah, and anxiety-inducing. And um, I especially bring that up with this scene because the score just cuts. There is mm-hmm. no scoring to this scene whatsoever. And normally in another film, in, like, a bigger film or, like, a different film, like, it would be this, like, really intense synth score just like bam, 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 bam. like yeah. I, I i'm specifically kind of imagining like in a different film like this would be like some like it follows style of score mm-hmm. where it's like mm-hmm. this distorted synth going off during the scene but there's nothing there is yeah, no sound whatsoever of, except the hear... vibrating of all like of the like, dogs and just the barking and there is nothing you, yeah. else it's you hear terrifying. all the whining, uh, which sound editor Colin C. Um, Watt 
or Mo, Moa, I'm so sorry if I butchered these names. Uh, he achieved these, like, the cries that the dogs have um, by rounding up all the neighborhood dogs, placing them in his house, and futively stalking around in a dark trench coat with the collar <laughs> taped up while tapping on the windows and rattling the doors to, like, get the dogs to bark and whine. Um, oh my God, <laughs> which dude. is just very funny to think about. Uh, those poor puppies, I hope they got treats and pets and everything afterwards. But it's so funny to just think about like this guy just walking around his house, tapping on all the windows with like a, a microphone, <laughs> recording all the dogs whining. Um, yeah, so uh, this you hear like all this barking and everything um and macready kind of hears this from wherever he is at uh and it causes everyone uh he pulls like the fire alarm and he tells everybody to get to the um to the uh kennels um and everyone walks in on just this monstrosity of something that vaguely looks like a dog but is very much not a dog it is like hairless it's wet it's like laying on the ground um yeah just like kind of like look at it it just like it it just reaches up arms and just grabs the ceiling and pulls itself up into it yeah it pulls itself up into it um and chai uh mccready like had told childs to run and get the flamethrower which by the way uh, t- again, this is a group of scientists, and they're doing research. Why do they have flamethrowers? <laughs> and they're in Antarctica. Yeah. yeah, they're in Antarctica. Uh, and they also later on showed like they have all these guns and stuff and too. Like, and it's like, why do they have these things? Are, you guys are doing science. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, they burn the creature. Um, can I like talk and, about how like this how like um this creature is designed where it has like eyes all over its fucking body like yes like I think there's like a it huge is... ass like there's like this weird flower like open up like like a Venus flytrap thing that like yeah it honestly like it's hard to describe what the thing looks like because. It is just, imagine just, like, a dog that is just fucked up and (laughs) bad. It's bad. Like, because it's... Imagine a dog that is absolute, that has had its shit rocked, dude. (laughs) It doesn't look good. Like, it looks horror. It's like, you can still see, like, the muzzle of the dog and the, like, I'm looking at a photo, you can still see, like, you know, the sort of, like, face of a dog, but the rest is just this sort of, like, conglomerate of limbs and blood and yucky. (laughs) It is, Um, like, it's, like, the um, epitome of Uncanny Valley. Yeah, and it just, it very much is, I think, a thing. You can't really, it is just so alien looking and bad. Uh, so they immediately incinerate the creature um, and Blair autopsies it because like, what the fuck is this thing? Um, and he goes on to explain that 
this creature can imitate other organisms perfectly um, down to sort of a like molecule level. Um, yeah. And uh, they then sort of spend the next few times like Clark is taking care of the other like Clark and Blair are taking care of the other dogs. That is when it sort of starts happening of this sort of like who the fuck is the thing? Because they've sort of figured out that this alien can perfectly copy something else um, and um, insert it in like perfectly insert itself into um, the day-to-day sort of go-arounds that when Clark and I think Blair or someone else are taking care of the other surviving dogs um, Blair like starts staring at Clark and Clark is like why the fuck are you looking at me like that um, and sort of that's when it, the seeds of doubt of like who the fuck is who starts happening um so <laughs> they um, start uh, going through the recovered Norwegian data, which show uh, shows that there was a location in which uh, the Norwegians had discovered that they went and uh, excavated. Um, and so the American go Americans go, and we see this like very beautiful like map painting thing yeah. of what yeah. It's very beautiful, but the first thought, and I don't know if anyone else saw this, it looks like the Millennium Falcon. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh my god! It bro, looks the like Millenni- it's from... Bro, the Millennium Falcon is yeah. in this movie. Guys, the Millennium uh, Falcon! <laughs> so we have... Just like uh, what George Wood prophesied. It shows this... Yeah, it shows this like partially buried alien spacecraft... Um, as well as a smaller like dig site that looks like the shape of that ice block that we saw at the Norwegian site. Um, and Norris, played by Charles Hallahan, uh, he um, estimates that the alien ship uh, had been buried here for at least 100,000 years. Um, which is like, whoa. <laughs> whoa. Um, and Blair then starts uh as he is also looking um through all the Norwegian data he runs a computer computer simulation which somehow in 1982 is perfectly able to predict the uh uh it's uh what the creature could assimilate like how long it would take the creature to uh assimilate all life on earth like it's perfectly able to predict that within like just a couple keystrokes well um, they, got, they got these fucking television graphics so like why would they <laughs> yeah. do the coleco vision yeah. yeah um and blair intelli- starts they got the television 3 before it existed <laughs> Yeah, but Blair uh, Blair starts uh, growing very paranoid because the computer simulation tells him that it will only take like a few years, I believe. Like, uh, it says it in hours, but I think it like adds up to about like three years that the creature could assimilate all life on Earth. Um, and he starts growing extremely paranoid. Um, and window windows and Bennings take the original malformed body. A humanoid body that they found at the Norwegian um, station and they put it in storage um, and they're like oh it's so gross oh yucky um, and then it is shown that 
this body that they thought was dead, I mean, they autopsied it and everything, um, starts leaking and bleeding. Um, Ew. Yuck. Yeah. And it's like, oh, gross. <laughs> um, and Windows, like, literally, like, leaves a room for three seconds and Bennings is in there by itself. And then he comes back and Bennings is, like, uh, on the floor. It has, like, three different tongue tentacle things wrapped around Bennings um, and is starting to assimilate uh, uh, Bennings. And... Um, Windows, like, freaks out and calls everybody in, and we see Benning start, like, running out um, into the sort of, like, uh, dark um, Antarctica, Antarctica, like, I don't want to say wilderness, because it's not the wilderness, but, like... Uh, wasteland. Cold. Uh, wasteland, yeah. You, he starts, like, kind of running out in there, um, and everybody sort of chases after him, and um, uh, Mac... Uh, they kind of all surround him, uh, Bennings, the Bennings thing, uh, and it sort of, like, kind of falls to the ground because they injure it, and it falls to the ground, and as Mac knocks over a, uh, can of gasoline, um, and goes to light it on fire, it releases this, like, screech, um, it, Like, war. just, like, it, like, like, moans... But like yeah. it does it is it doesn't even sound inhuman, but it doesn't sound human either. It is Yeah. I, and such while a it's doing this uh, sound. Yeah, yeah it sounds it's like this... it's it kinda sounds like it it's like a real human voice, but like um kind of amplified and like um edited and edited in some way to make it like um very, I I don't I don't know how the hell they even did it in 1982, but yeah. Um, and while it's like screaming, uh, Peter Maloney as Bennings um, has this like no emotion on his face. Like he looks like he's like screaming in this like agonizing way, um, but there's just nothing on his face. Uh, and that's when you know McCready burns it. Um, and they sort of come to this realization, like McCready says, like, you know, I know I'm human. Um, and I think if you guys, like he says, like, I know I'm human, uh, but, you know, I'm not sure about all of you. But I think if I like, I think all of you guys are human because if you weren't, you would be attacking me right now. Um, he's basically saying, like, you know, the thing is trying to assimilate and everything. So obviously it would be trying to attack. And he's like, I know I'm human and blah, blah, blah. And then they notice that Blair is not there. Um, and they're like, what the fuck? Where's Blair? Uh, and then we cut to Blair running around and he is, uh, sabotaging all of the vehicles and he kills the remaining sled dogs, sadly. <laughs> um, and yeah. he destroys no. the, uh, radio, uh, with, windows is like in the room too as blair is kind of going at it he's like destroying everything um he shoots at them and eventually runs out of bullets uh and they eventually uh get him and they sedate him um and they uh lock him up in a tool shed um and 
uh, Copper, the doctor, suggests, like, hey, we have all this extra blood for, um, it's all of the, each member's blood. Um, we should test it against this uncontaminated blood that's held in storage. Um, we should compare the blood. And they learn that the blood's been destroyed. But what the who could have just yeah who could have destroyed the blood because the only people who the only person who has a key to the blood cabinet is gary the commander and he only ever gives it to copper uh he only ever gives the key to copper um and so that's when uh mccready starts he he kind of sort of takes command fully um at that point um and uh Eventually, then, uh, McCready, Windows, and Nalls uh, find uh, Fuchs' burnt corpse just, like, laying out there in the cold wasteland. Um, and they are, um, they're, like, they come to the conclusion that he committed suicide to avoid being assimilated by the thing. But he's like completely burnt and stuff um and they're just like oh well that kind of sucks and they kind of move on yeah and, like oh, uh well. windows goes back to the base um and um mccready and nulls go to uh check on or no they go and they investigate mccready's shack and then on their return nulls abandons mccready because they found torn clothes um, in the shack uh, Nalls found torn clothes of McCready's in the shack and he uh, brings that back to the rest of the people and he's like oh I think McCready's been assimilated I think McCready's the thing um, and so the team is like debating whether or not they should let McCready back inside and stuff uh, and McCready breaks in and he like has like a flare and dynamite and he's like you know, he like, is covered in frost in he's covered in frost like he is just covered in snow and frost um, he is like fucked up right now yeah and he's so during crazy this... crazy crazy yeah. silly yeah and during this um norris uh who's played by uh charles hallahan again uh he um seems to suffer a heart attack um and actually dies um Huh. He sort of collapsed into the corner. And again, this is where it's like this movie has this sequence of things where it's like very slow and quiet. And as they're going through things, um, they uh, find, you know, and then something big happens. Like, you know, they're all like trying to debate whether or not to let McCready inside. And then the sort of climax happens to that which is Norse has a heart attack and they all kind of stop and they're like oh fuck um and so they bring Norris into the rec room area of the base and they start to um Copper tries to uh, de uh defibrillate him try to resuscitate him um and it's still, you know, we, we've had some gory moments, you know, with the dog mostly, but there hasn't been much going on in this movie. Yeah. It's not, you know, too gory. Yeah. Um, well, then Copper, you know, is defibrillating Norris and uh, his chest just transforms into a giant fucking mouth 
and bites the off Copper's seat. arms. <laughs> and it's, just it's something out of a Cronenberg film. It's disgusting. <laughs> it yeah. Is, it just bites off his arms and like rip them off. Copper dies because of just like his arms have been fucking bitten off by a chest by a chest like that doesn't happen um so he his, dies and for the longest time his scream like his scream that he has for the longest time it reminded me a lot of uh eustace from curse the cowardly dog and so i always <laughs> thought they're the same actor but they're not no they're, they're not, not the but, same actor yeah. at all but it sounds like it sounds like eustace when he's like fucking like terrified by anything yeah, there, there's just screaming. There's like, uh, the music kind of kicks in here, and, like a little bit, but there, it's just chaos. There's a lot of screaming. There's a lot uh, of the, bubbling noises. Yeah, there's a oh. lot of bubbling noises as, uh, the Norris thing grows like a second head, and it like spindles up. It's like this long sort of thing, and it's like gnarly and everything, and it, uh, kind of goes up onto the ceiling, and McCready incinerates that um but its original fucking like norris's original head uh detaches itself from norris's body uh and it's so violent it just pulls itself off yeah and you can see all you can see all the different like uh nerve endings and the skin just like ripping off and everything too um and so like it's and, gross. like, the green pus, yeah, it's just... Yeah, there's, like, you can see that he's been assimilated because he's just, like, all his insides have turned greenish. Uh, and the head kind of falls onto the floor. It uses the tongue to, like, grapple itself, and then it sprouts legs, and it starts to, like, run away. And this it's sort of so, It's, like, comedic. actually really funny. <laughs> yeah, it sort of starts, like, crawling away, and then it kind of gets, like, to the doorway, and McCready, like, with... Kurt Russell just has, like, nothing... Like, he's just... he's He looks tired. He just <laughs> burns it with no, like, words. Uh, and so they... Like, what the um, fuck? Yeah, so they... Uh, Everyone starts freaking out. They're like, oh my god, like, Norris was a fucking thing. How was Norris a thing? What the hell is going on? Um, and they all start, like, freaking out. Uh, you know, they're accusing one another. Uh, McCready's like, you know, I'm fucking, like, you know, I'm human and, and stuff. Like, I don't, like, how do we know I'm not, and, uh, uh, child like they start accusing childs and childs was like i'm not fucking uh because uh mccready's also like we need to tie up different members and tie everybody else up and he says like uh childs like starts arguing back and he's like well how do we know you're not the thing um and during this clark like takes has a scalpel and he goes to attack uh mac um and Mac, because he had a gun pointed at Charles, just turns and shoots him with no hesitation, like, at all. It was, like, so quick, you know, that he literally goes from, like, pointing a gun at Childs to, yeah. like, pivoting 90 degrees and shooting Clark. It's and at, it's at this head. point that I took a note that the uh, first Among Us comment was made, and that was from <laughs> Like as soon as Clark dies, it's just silent for. But then we'll just like we'll just goes. Oh my God! This is just like Among Us. <laughs> <laughs> I was just uh, about to fucking say that. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry yeah, for so, stealing your line. It's okay. 
Uh, it's also at that point I like like a little bit before that I noticed that for like 15 20 minutes up to that point we were not saying anything. <laughs> we were yeah. while we were like, watching just like this af- map, it was we like right just... after the the thing after Benny's thing was torched um Kurt Russell says the line nobody trusts anybody now we're all very tired. I wrote down mm-hmm. after that that I just realized we haven't been talking since then. Like, after yeah. that scene, we just shut up. Yeah. We just, we're not saying, like, fucking anything to one another. It was, and that's kind of how the movie is. It just, it, after, uh, McCready, like, originally says, like, no one trusts anybody, it goes on and on, and it's just, like, this long sequence of, like, holy yeah. shit. Uh, and it's sort I, of, uh, yeah. Yeah, so he um, shoots Clark, and McCready uh, hypothesizes that uh, the Norris thing uh, had demonstrated that every part of the thing is an individual life with its own survival instinct, Um, meaning that if you were to threaten any part of an assimilated person uh, that had a thing in it, it could become defenseless, uh, but, uh, try to defend itself. And so he hypothesizes that, uh, if we all take, um, blood, uh, if we all take, if we all cut ourselves, uh, and I like heat up this wire and I stick it in the blood, like that will make the, uh, we will see a reaction from this. And this goes into, uh, this leads into my all-time favorite scene in a movie ever. <laughs> it is um, a phenomenal scene. This is, uh, this is like, when I think about the scene and I tell people about, like, why I love this movie, I bring up this part of the movie. Um, because to me, I think if you ever, if you're, like, an aspiringly film creator or something and you ever want to make, like, you're like, how, you know, what should I look to to be inspired to make a sort of tense scene in my movie? Watch this scene because there is, it is the most tense scene. You have McCready, Gnarls, uh Palmer, and Childs and Gary who are all... Uh, and windows yeah. who are all uh, tied up. Uh, I believe windows and nulls are um, freed, uh, but they are. You have uh, Gary, Palmer, and Childs. They're tied up on the couch, um, and they go around. Uh, McCready starts getting blood from each and every one of them, and it's just this like. There's no sound other than this like haunting wind there's no dialogue and it's just and then silent. like when he tests the when he tests the blood uh... yeah he he hits he heats up a piece of wire he sticks it into this blood and you hear like of this, like fizzle and this like squeak met squeaking against yeah. the plastic and it's it it's so unnerving it's like nails on a chalkboard yeah, yeah. it's this so... upsetting sound yeah, so he starts with himself and he says, like, I'm going to confirm what I already know. Uh, and it's confirmed that McCready is not a thing. Uh, they test uh, Norris and Dr. Copper. 
uh, and Clark, and they, uh, well, not Norris, obviously they don't test Norris, they know he's uh, a thing, but they test Dr. Copper and Clark, um, and they both were not things. Um, when they test, when he tests Clark's blood and it comes back that he was clean, uh, Childs makes a comment saying like, well, now you're a murderer, uh, because, uh, Clark was not bad i guess and so yeah he, yeah he makes a comment saying like well now you're a murderer um and uh gnarls uh is not a thing uh he is uh fine and then they get to palmer and it's they're kind of like gotten into this routine of like testing the blood heating up the wire testing the blood heating up the wire um and then they get to Palmer and it's like they stick one little like the, he sticks the edge of the fucking uh, heated up wire in it and it freaks out the like blood starts bubbling and you, it jumps you also off the table. miss that like before that like no one's really speaking and yeah, just there's no dialogue just beforehand um I forget who it is who says it but someone says something and then it like cuts and then it cuts to this shot. Like, I, th- I think it's, um, Gary? I think Gary says something. And, and then, about, like, about, like, how is, is and then, um, and then, uh, um, and then, uh, McCready, um, says, like, I knew you'd, like, say something, like, like that. This is why I'm gonna test you last. And then he touches yes. it, and then immediately just jumps. It... Yeah, it, he, <laughs> uh, he says something about... I think Gary mentions like being commander and and everything, um, uh, and he's like, "Yeah, I'll test you last or something." Um, and then he just like very like nonchalantly goes to six the wire in the fucking uh, petri dish, and it just explodes. And during the sequence too, Palmer just starts shaking, and is like, he's just rattling himself off, uh, and. It's terrifying it's... because he's just the actor who plays Palmer has like no like he doesn't have any like facial expression, but he just starts shaking um, and he breaks out of his bonds and his head sort of like goes like it starts melting and you see like the skull and everything. Um, like the sides of his skull and shit. Yeah. And it starts peeling off. His hands start turning into these weird, like, tentacle-type things. And then he shoots himself up into, like... Uh, the the Palmer thing kind of shoots itself up into the... Um, into the ceiling. And... Uh, McCready's trying to, like, incinerate him. And Gary and Childs are fucking freaking out because they were sitting next to Palmer this whole time. Uh... And so they start freaking out, and they're like, oh my god, I'm... and, uh, McCready's, um, uh, flamethrower isn't working, so he's, like, yelling at Windows to incinerate Palmer, and Windows kind of freezes and doesn't do anything, um, and everyone's, like, screaming, so you go from this really quiet moment to just fucking chaos again, and, uh, uh, Palmer's, the th- Palmer thing like splits in half and creates this sort of new fucking mouth uh to which 
it attacks windows windows then goes in head first so you sort of have like the palmer thing and then you have windows like inside the palmer thing and it starts like eating windows uh windows body and legs are shaking you can just hear windows screaming there's blood spraying everywhere and i got sick i have seen this movie before and i felt genuinely nauseous because it's just incredibly gross thing everybody's just screaming like everyone's screaming in fear windows is screaming in pain this creature's just making noise there's blood everywhere it's being thrown around everything's breaking it is sensory overload it's such a good scene but i like felt nauseous (laughs) yeah and part of the reason why too is like you come from this just quiet again there's no there's not really any dialogue except for a few like quips made by the characters there's not a lot said there's not a lot of like uh sort of um music other and other for like very quick like synth notes and then um wind and stuff and that's just all you hear uh and then suddenly like palmer the palmer thing just like explodes like literally explodes and it's instant chaos and so finally McCready is able to get a flamethrower and he incinerates he kills uh the Palmer thing um and there's like kind of this like lull and stuff like holy shit uh and then Windows uh starts assimilating as well uh and it's kind of sad because you see like Windows's like crumpled up body in the corner just like slowly start turning into the thing uh and you're like, holy shit, yeah. like, oh. Mm. Um, because yeah. Windows hadn't really done anything. Like, something that's, like, I think perfectly kind of shown throughout this movie is that, like, these characters haven't really done anything to deserve this. Like, they all kind of, like, hate each other and are, like, very stressed out and stuff. Um, and they all kind of, like, accuse one of another. But there's no really, like, bad person of this fucking cast other than Blair who's like not a part of the scene and Blair's the only reason why Blair is bad is because he fucking like got paranoid and didn't want the thing infesting the rest of humanity which is not like a bad thing like yeah he was like yeah it kind of sucks that he destroys you know all of the equipment and everything but also like he was in his mind saving the rest of the fucking world from being uh, assimilated by the thing. Um, so they all, uh, finally he tests child's blood, uh, after they kill Windows. Uh, McCready tests child's blood and it's revealed that, like, child's is not a thing and Charles starts, like, kind of freaking out. He's like, let me out of this fucking, like, untie me right now and stuff. And it does this very funny cut where he's, like, screaming and he's freaking out. He's like, get me the fuck out! Like, untie me right now! And then it cuts to just Gary sitting on the couch by himself tied yeah. up. <laughs> uh, and the, uh, Nalls, uh, child's and McCready are staring at Gary as they test Gary's blood. Um, and Gary is just kind of sitting there very and throughout this kind of whole film Gary has been very stoic he hasn't shown a lot of emotion other than he seems to be very like concerned and he has screamed obviously during like the big moments and stuff but he hasn't really like been like this sort of 
I don't know how to describe it. Like he's, he's been quiet-ish. Um, and he says my favorite, uh, one of my favorite lines in the movie, he says, you know, like, gentlemen, uh, I know we've been through a lot, uh, but if you can find the time, I would rather not spend the rest of this winter tied to this fucking couch. Um, <laughs> and it's such a good delivery. Yeah, because he's like so calm. He's like, gentlemen, I know, you know, we've been through a lot, but if you could find the time, <laughs> and find the I would time. rather not spend the rest of this winter tied to this fucking couch. Um, so they. It's really funny. It really is, and so they untie him. Um. And they go to say, like, oh, the last person that we need to test is Blair. Um, and they had checked on Blair a little bit earlier, uh, which leads to one of my other favorite scenes where uh, <laughs> where Blair is just, like, I forgot <laughs> to bring this up, but, yeah, so they go to check on Blair. Um, and Blair is just kind of sitting there huddled, like, in the tool shed. They, like, open a window, and they're like, how are you doing, Blair? And it just, like, shows him through the window, sitting there, like, over a can of beans, and next to him is a noose that he made. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just, he's- like, hi- he just stares at, uh, at McCready, and he's like, I would like to come inside now. I'm, I'm coming inside <laughs> now. It's really uh, funny. And it's, it's really so funny. funny. And Wilford Brimley just does an excellent delivery of that, of just, like, he's just, like, he's, like, in the middle of eating out of a can, and he just, like, turns, and he goes, I would like to come inside now. <laughs> and it's, like... Uh, God. But, so I they will, go... I will yeah. say, at this point, I think... um, I love this film. I honestly think after this after that scene that blood test scene um starts my my i think my basically only flaw with the film in that scene is just this master class of tension and fear so much so that it is such this excess of stress relief every single time i find it hard to focus on the final like 10 15 minutes of the film and yeah. so the rest of it just kind of like bleeds out of my head. Not to say that the rest of that isn't great. It's just really hard for me to focus. After no, yeah, a scene it's... of that magnitude, it's like I like my brain just like I like start to like disassociate almost. I'm like until like the end happens. I'm like, oh yeah, wait, this movie's over. What? <laughs> yeah, and I think that's kind of what maybe they were going for because I think that's how the actors portray themselves as well. It's like, you get that line from Gary, who's like, I would rather not spend the rest of the winter time to the fucking couch. Uh, and they're kind of just like, oh, fuck yeah, Blair. Uh, we should go test Blair's blood. You know, we should go fucking check on him. And they, uh, so they go to check on him and they find that he's escaped and he's dug this, like, tunnel. Um, and he's been using vehicle components to assembled a small flying saucer. Um, <laughs> what the fuck? And he, they're like, oh, what the fuck? Well, okay. So they go um, back to Childs, who was left on guard. Um, and Childs is missing. And the power generator is destroyed. And um, they 
um, Mac speculates that um, the thing intended to is intending to return to hibernation until a rescue team ha- arrives to rescue whatever is left. Um, and so McCready, uh, Gary, and Nalls um, decide you know what what we're gonna do is that we're just going to fucking um we're going to explode the entire fucking station uh and like we're gonna get all the explosives that we for some reason have again they're supposed to be a group of scientists why do they have all these explosives um (laughs) i guess like maybe it could maybe make sense for excavation but like again (laughs) yeah they just have all this military equipment um so they go and uh they start um planting all the explosive devices and are um as they are sort of like going underground and throughout the base um blair uh kind of pops up and kills gary um and then nulls uh disappears as well and the um, at this also point child we have no idea where childs is we have no clue where childs went he sort of just disappeared while he was on guard um like we, yeah we have no clue where he went um and so Nalls also kind of disappears it's assumed that he is also then killed um and the blair thing sort of transforms into this fucking ginormous ass creature that like um it it's just like when he when it kills gary it puts his hand in gary's face and i mean that both like metaphorically or in the sense of like when you put your hand on somebody's face but also literally in the sense that he puts his hand on the face and it starts morphing into gary's face yeah and like it asphyxiates him because like he's covering like his mouth and his nose and it just starts like going into his face um so yeah uh nalls is killed off screen then um and there's this like scene where mccready kind of like looks like he discovers nalls has disappeared um, and then there's this scene where something underground, like, lifts up all the floorboards, um, and this, like, fucking tentacle grabs the detonator, um, for right. all of the- ex- As soon as you said that, I got, uh, the song Something Underneath by Clipping stuck in my head. <laughs> Which uh, is just this song about, like, the dead just, like, rising from, from, like, underground, and it's just like- I mean, that kind of- it's similar, yeah. Cause yeah, you have... it also just, like, reminds... The instrumental does a lot because it's just, like, just, like, very low, just droning. Yeah. Um, and this, like, giant... It's, like, literally just, like, a fucking alien, giant alien monster. It's, like, uh, slimy. It's... out of its chest. Yeah. yeah, you see, like, part of a dog. You see, like, some faces. Uh, and it destroys the detonator... Um, and McCready has a stick of dynamite and he's like, uh, I think he says like, fuck you. Uh, or I don't know what, ex- I can't remember what exactly he says. 
Yeah, yeah. Okay, I've revived it. He says, um, he grabs, like, a stick of dynamite as, like, the thing is, like, you see, like, all these, like, different dog, like, looking creatures popping out of its, like, side and out of its front and it's, like, becoming into this, like, giant monster, uh, and it roars at McCready and McCready just, like, picks up a stick of dynamite and goes, yeah, fuck you two! And he throws the stick of dynamite at the, uh, thing, um, and explodes. Um, yeah. 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 And so they, uh, he triggers the rest of the explosives by throwing that, uh, and it destroys the base. Uh, and we're just left with McCready and he's kind of just like sitting and with like the base just like burning around him. There's like not a lot of like music. It's mostly just like this silent with like, you can hear the like, um, base being like burnt down and every like stuff is falling and McCready's just kind of like sitting there by himself and then Childs returns and McCready's like where the fuck were you? Um, <laughs> and uh, Childs explains that he got lost while he was in the storm while trying to find uh, Blair uh, he got lost. He got lost. Oh, he, got lost. He, he says that he noticed Blair like escaping, and he went and chased after him, and uh, that's why they didn't find him again. And it's slowly, the movie ends with just the two of them kind of just like staring at one another, and they're exhausted, fruity, and they kind Very of fruity. just, mm-hmm. yeah. And they kind of just acknowledge, like, there's no point in being distrustful of one another at this point. And so they just share, like, a bottle of scotch. And then it, like, pans out slowly. And then it fades to black and credits roll. Yeah. Uh, And and that's... That's the thing. And that's the thing. And you're sort of left with this feeling of who the fuck are either of them human? Are either of them, like, who... um, and it's gone on to a point where, like, there's many different answers. I've seen, like, John Carpenter say, you can very clearly see one of them breathing and one of them not. Um, like, I believe, like, uh, Keith David says something that uh, kind of says that he was, hum- like, uh, Childs was human and Mac wasn't. Um, and so you kind of just left with this, like, feeling of dread which is how this movie is it is just a feeling of dread um and again is this just nihilistic unhappy movie because there's no happy ending you don't get like you know a funny little like oh they're fine like here comes the helicopter over the mountain coming to rescue them no it is left off with two exhausted like people who are just like there's no point in like being distrustful of one another because we're both in the fucking like um Antarctic wasteland. We just destroyed the base that we were staying at. There's, like, we are either going to freeze or starve to death before anything. Like, there's no point 
in yeah. being distrustful of one another. Um, and that, yeah, so you just have the, that's the end of the movie. And I think I really like the sort of, um, I like the sort of ambiguity ambiguity oh my god ambiguity. I'm so ambiguity <laughs> of <laughs> of the ending to this movie because really like what the fuck happened you know and uh what happened? what happened there yeah what happened there is so many points of that movie where you are watching this and you're just like what the fuck is ha like what happened like why did this happen like again like with um, Fuchs's body, uh, like, he, that death is never explained other than they think he killed himself because he didn't want to become a thing, but, the, but, like, the way his body looks, like, he's, like, completely charred and dead. There is no explanation in this movie, uh, about the Norwegians other than they found this fucking like spaceship that and they excavated it and unknowingly now, now you say this movie are you telling me that there's another movie no okay. <laughs> not at all no okay. there's no um the thing the thing about the thing is that it ends here there's nothing else okay <laughs> okay uh, that's, that's like really good to know yeah, yeah it's really great to know uh ignore how 20 uh to be clear uh this there is a lot more obviously like eventually this movie has been um sort of it it found an audience on the home video and television um sort of like when it was released on home video and, and television um and so in the subsequent years of this movie's release it has gained a cult following and i don't even want to say that it's gained a cult following i think it's just gained the audience that it's deserved it has um, as I'm looking right now, um, on, um, hold on. Um, this, if not just gained a cult point, I think it has gained a following in general because this is the, uh, 161 highest rated movie on IMDb. Mm -hmm. It is the, uh, uh, 65th highest rated, uh, narrative film on Letterboxd. Um, with a with like a four point three out of five, mm -hmm. this movie like in, it ages like a fine wine. Yeah, and it it did you know uh, spawn a lot of there is a nineteen eighty two anomalization. There's been a lot of like haunted uh, like house attractions that have been themed about it. Um, there are sequels in comic book form. Um, there is a 2002 video game um mm -hmm. that and is there is there is not a 2011 <laughs> prequel to there is movie. not a 2012 or 2011 prequel um but there is unfortunately However, if, it, if it did exist it would probably star Mary Elizabeth Winstead um it, but that it would be if it existed in a yeah if it existed if, if it was a thing that humans if made. It was a thing. If it was a thing. <laughs> uh, 
just to very briefly touch on that and why we're kind of like hesitant to bring it up is that the biggest problem with that is that they try to fill in the kind of plot holes I guess you can describe them that this movie has uh but they're not really plot holes in the first place because it's supposed to be like you don't know what the fuck is happening um and so you uh have this uh movie that comes up and they you know are making a prequel and stuff and so it focuses on the Norwegian uh people and (sighs) one of the biggest points of this movie and one of the biggest like things about this movie is the special effects it is considered like a fucking um like uh masterclass like yeah a masterclass and like a benchmark in special effects makeup and stuff and uh rob botten like did an excellent job on using practical effects and using like mechanical parts and puppetry and everything to create the 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 creature the thing and um when they made the 2011 prequel they um did originally have it be a movie that primarily used uh like um practical 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 effects and using um these uh who were creative uh tom woodwiff jr and alec uh gillis of amalgamated dynamics created practical effects and they spent a long time working on those practical effects um and they like made a monster suit they used cable operated animatronics uh to give it more of an organic film like you could tell that they cared about the movie um and they uh really like loved working with that as movies um uh but then they uh as post-production was happening i guess at some point the producers or whoever said no (laughs) to that version of the movie that uses um like all of these um non or practical effects non-cgi and everything scenes and uh while there there is apparently a version of the film that has those practical effects remained intact most of those practical effects were then uh done digitally and were replaced in post-production i believe also like uh they were like done very quickly so it looks horrible and there are like maybe a couple times where you can even with the cgi it doesn't look that bad but it there are so many points in that movie that it just it looks horrible and it takes you out of it and it's so upsetting to think that they spent all this time and then um the movie like produce i don't know who just was like nah make it all cgi and that movie did horrible which is unfortunate because i think 
I think there's some other problems with the movie and the writing and stuff, but I think if they, you know, maybe worked with John Carpenter or uh, worked with uh, the original people who worked on the 1982 film, it would have been a bit better, but, you know, you yeah. live and you learn, and... Like Sonic still, Adventure. Like Sonic Adventure. And now, um, I still think, though, even with the sort of that movie not doing as well, I think this movie is just such a great example of a horror movie being dreadful. And what I like to... Like, I love horror. I love the wacky, goofy horror, you know, you get with... Uh, some horror comedy and things like that. I love like funny events in this movie, but I think this movie kind of also like uh, points out what I really love about horror. And it's like when you watch a movie, you're sort of watching it to sort of get away from like real life events. Um, And I guess like when I watch a horror movie, I want to be so captivated by what is happening in that horror movie that I forget about the real life horrors of (laughs) the real world and when I watch the thing I'm just like transported to and like to the fucking base and I'm like what the fuck is going on why is there a big alien what the fuck is happening and I think that's why I like it and like Lucy like you were saying like after that big huge build up that you have for the last quarter of this movie you're sort of left like this sort of dissociated fact and that's what I like about this movie because I think that's what they were kind of going for like with the ending where you have uh McCready and Childs sort of tired and they're sort of resigning to the fact that probably one of them is the thing they're gonna die here and it just fades to black and that's the end of the movie. And I, so yeah. I think the feeling you're supposed to have during this movie is that you have this like huge buildup to the blood testing scene and it's chaos and it's fucking insane. And then the rest of the movie, you're kind of just sitting there like, holy shit. Like, what yeah. the fuck? And then by the time that you get to the end of the movie, you're kind of just tired and exhausted and there's nothing. You're kind of left with this feeling in yourself of just like, there's nothing I can do, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's kind of uh, an achievement that this film makes you feel tired with only, it's not even an hour, two hours long. Yeah, it sort of just, like, I think builds up to that point of the movie and it gets to just, like, that section where it's just chaos and then, yeah, you're just kind of left, like, exhausted. <laughs> and... It's a it's a tough movie to watch and I can maybe see why people in 1982 when they went to go see this movie maybe previously having seen E.T. or some other sci-fi movie probably ended up not liking it because yeah like you're left feeling pretty like shitty <laughs> you know you're not given <laughs> a conclusion really you're given two characters who are resigned to the fact that they're gonna die and there is no happy ending there is no helicopter you know coming to save the two coming to save mccready and childs there is no like cure that's found there's nothing 
and that it sort of also gives you it begs the question of hey if one of them is the thing and they are rescued like if they are able to survive you know and do what blair was trying to do what the fuck happens to the rest of the world uh and i i think that's just genius and i think that's a great example of a horror movie uh a horror movie to me is you're left alone with this feeling of dread <laughs> yeah you know you just kind mm-hmm. of feel like empty after it yeah and yeah like i love the goofy wackiness of horror that can happen um i grew up with sort of but i i got into horror with uh like i watched the twilight zone as a kid with my dad and those sort of give off the same like the twilight zone kind of gives off that same feeling of oh fuck like (laughs) something bad has happened and there's no resolution and holy shit i'm rod sterling wasn't that fucked up (laughs) uh (laughs) and so yeah i i what were your guys's like more thoughts on the movie i guess too uh because will this was the first time you've ever seen this movie yeah yeah Uh, what was your kind of thoughts? Um, I thought it was a very um, the the um, uh, <laughs> it's kind of hard to put into words. It's yeah, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, did, did you did you like it? I definitely did. Um. It's definitely, like, it definitely reads to me as, like, a classic film. And just sort of the vibe of it, it it's very much of that golden, not not, not really golden age, um, but, like, it's clearly done by someone who was, or done by a team of, like, um, very, very skilled people. Like, very, um... Um, not, not exactly, um, experienced, but, like, um, um... They were, like, really passionate about Yeah, very doing. passionate, very, um, um, excited to work on something with, um, this large in scope. Yeah, um, I mean, even, like, I was saying, like, Rob Button was 22 when he started on this movie, and he literally worked himself to the point of being hospitalized. Uh, yeah, so that's... you could kind of tell that there was like a passion because they also like described that like it was part of the reason why he kind of overworked himself was he wanted this attention to detail that was like a lot like he wanted there to be uh just the nastiness of you know the fucking movie and i think that's achieved (laughs) really well is the fucking disgustingness of this movie is the creature design just being something that is just like oh what the fuck you know (laughs) and alongside um the creature design i feel like the script is also very detailed i think the it is really carried by the cast i think kurt russell abel for brimley keith david um donald moffat just do an incredible job in portraying these men who are isolated and there is nothing like 
happen like they are isolated yeah. and then suddenly this happens and they have no way to tell any outside people like there's no way to contact the rest of the like world you know there's no way to get help and stuff and so i think they do an excellent job like sort of showing <laughs> like mccready kind of like shows like a person trying to step into the leadership role gary shows this like um person who was the leader who sort of resigned to the fact that like maybe he's blaming himself uh blair shows the paranoia that could happen with something like this um and yeah so i think i just think this is a good movie <laughs> it's such a good no, it's, movie it's I, I yeah love this movie it's it's great uh. it's 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 really great but yeah that was the thing 1982 directed by john carpenter uh if you liked this, please uh, stay tuned to our next couple of episodes, which are going to be uh, Lucy and Will's favorite horror movies. Uh, Lucy, you'll be covering Saw. Uh, yes, I will be covering Saw. Yes. <laughs> and then Will, who, like we've mentioned, uh, doesn't really watch horror movies, uh but still is going to be covering uh, Monster House. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, you get these two, you get the first two episodes, you get The Thing by John Carpenter, you get Saw, (laughs) very iconic movies, and then, you know, you can take a break with Monster House. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, Which is still very scary, (laughs) and I'm very excited. Yeah, watching it again recently, I was like, this is, like, realizing this is a kid's film was like, shit. Like yeah, like, I remember. Like, like I never even watched it as a kid. I'll I'll go into it, like when we get into like yeah. the episode because I never watched this as a kid. But yeah, um, um but it's great still films. May honestly, one of the main reasons why we started this podcast was also to show Will more horror films because he's mentioned because bef- he mentioned before that you've wanted to get into horror. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, definitely. And me and Lucy have both. I grew up watching horror adjacent things. I grew up like watching, um. Like I said, uh, the uh, Twilight Zone, and I also watch Courage the Cowardly Dog, and a lot of other fucking little piss baby. (laughs) 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 And yeah, so both me and Lucy definitely have like a special interest and hyper focus on horror, and we'll be in like group conversations with our friends, and we'll just like go off on about horror movies, and nobody else (laughs) understands what we're fucking talking about yeah uh and will kind of was just like could i join i want to know more about horror movies i want to get into horror and we were like okay (laughs) yeah fuck yeah dude yeah yeah you're 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 great i'm like really excited for this for the this podcast and what we're gonna do yeah 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 yeah. i'm i've already learned so fucking much (laughs) like this is awesome (laughs) yeah yeah uh so we hope that (laughs) if uh anyone is listening that you continue listening uh and make sure to follow us on twitter uh at whores for the number four horror um is our current only social media i will one day make more social media but (laughs) currently we have a twitter and our first tweet is about how we hate nfts uh so (laughs) yeah uh, (laughs) you can thank me for that yeah Uh, thank you too (laughs) fuck nfts 
All cops are bastards. Uh, trans rights are human rights. Black Lives Matter. Stop Asian hate. Uh, Free Palestine. All that good shit. Hell yeah. Hell uh, yeah. So yeah. Follow us on there for updates, and we hope to see you uh, in the next episode. Bye. 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 I should have maybe thought of an outro to fuck. Oh, well. <laughs>